0: it's four o'clock and time for the calvary live show taking your calls and questions about life the bible and living in jesus the number to call is 303-690-3000 let's join calvary live right now
1: good afternoon you are listening to calvary live this is pastor nate morris from calvary chapel vale valley hosting the program today and uh, if you'd like to call in with a question or a prayer request or a question about the Bible, about God, about Jesus, maybe you have a question about angels or uh, anything really that you can think of, I uh, would love to chat with you about that. You can call at 303-690-3000 with your questions, or you can text them in today at 720-336-0897. Once again, you can call 303 303- 690 3000, or you can text 720 336 0897. Once again, this is Pastor Nate Morris from Calvary Chapel Vale Valley up in the beautiful mountains of Colorado. And if you're ever uh, here in the Vale area, Uh, We would love to have you come visit us for church sometime. We have services on Sunday mornings at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We also have a Sunday evening service that for this summer we're actually doing outside at the Riverwalk here in Edwards, Colorado, which is a ton of fun out here at the Amphitheater, and that's uh, at 6 p.m. here. Uh, We'd love to have you join us for those as well. Uh, I want to go to Michael on line one today. Michael, welcome to the program. Hey,
0: thank you. How are you doing? Uh, just getting out work.
1: Great. What, what, what can we do for you today?
0: Uh, so I work with this guy, and he goes to uh, a church called the Church of God, and um, he is saying that they believe that the Holy Spirit is on earth now uh, in flesh form, um, and it happens to be this lady uh, this old woman out of uh, Korea, I guess it's pretty big. Uh, they've got a lot of people in their Church, and I just, I, I, I just don't ever remember reading anything about the Holy Spirit coming down and flesh, And, and it's, I don't know. I, I, can you enlighten me on this whole situation?
1: Yeah, you know. Um...
0: How, how might I be able to, you know, talk to the guy and let him know that he's he, 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 he,
1: yeah, um, so so it sounds like like your your coworker is a part of uh, this church group that's called uh, the World Mission Society Church of God. So I want to make that distinction because there are several different Correct. groups that go by the name Church of God, um, and many of the the ones that go by Church of God are maybe a charismatic or a Pentecostal denomination, but still fall within what I would call you know a, a biblical um, uh, mindset of the church. Uh, The the World Mission Society Church of God, on the other hand, is a cult Um, and uh, really a a pretty um, out there cult where they are um, actively proselytizing and evangelizing people. In fact, my wife actually was sitting in a mall one time and got approached by two of their missionaries, you might say, and um, had a very interesting conversation with them. But um, it's definitely a cult. It was started in South Korea, um, and it was started by a guy that, that uh, was born in Korea to, to Buddhist parents, but spent many years with the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and um, basically he claimed to have uh, stated that he had this um, kind of revelation from God, and he rebuilt the original Church of God. Uh, the Red, one
0: I, that... I, I read about all that on the on... A couple of uh, blogs or whatever so I, I know a lot about that
1: I, mm-hmm. and I
0: understand and I know what the, the church is about I guess more my question is how can I get my method to trust to this guy that I work with that he's team he's he, he's in a cult and that this person that he believes is the Holy Spirit is not the holy Spirit
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the problem lies in their their doctrine and in what they ultimately um believe based off of a few scriptures. There's a few key scriptures um that they take out of context and use oh, yeah. incorrectly. Uh one of them is in Revelation chapter 21 where they look at it, it talking about the, the the new Jerusalem as a as a bride um and the, kind of the the wife of the lamb. And they take this as being a person. And, and as you're saying, you know, the, uh, the, the, the bodily person of the Holy Spirit. Um, but the problem with that is, even just from the very basic understanding of what the Holy Spirit is, is God not in flesh. You know, just the, the idea of God is Spirit. And so the idea that the Holy Spirit just being in a personal form on the earth really takes takes a completely opposite view of what the scripture teaches us about the Holy Spirit. When we see that the Holy Spirit will be in you, uh, I mean, a question that I would have for for someone that believes that is, if believers are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, how is this Holy Spirit its own person physically separate from us? Does that make sense? Um, yeah. Just the thought that, that, that this kind of, and, and you know, they'll go so far as calling... Her mother God, the thought that God could be a a, a person, God the Holy Spirit could be a person that's physically alive today, and that would be the Holy Spirit, it it takes apart the relationship that we as individuals have with the Holy Spirit that is repeated over and over and over again throughout the scriptures. Um, That would be one question that I would have for him. You know, like when you look at when Jesus said, you know, the Holy Spirit, he is with you and he will be in you. Um, I I would question what they're saying there. And I I also would question the use of the the, the pronoun she, where they say that the the Holy Spirit is a she, because Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as a he. Um, and so where do they get that idea and how do they reconcile that? The problem is, is that they're taking individual verses and then creating doctrine around that. Um, and so when you do that, anytime you do that, you're going to get in trouble. And we need to look at the Bible as a whole, at the overall picture that it gives us to really understand what it is that God wants to speak to us um, through it. And so I I can take a verse, you know, for example, from the Old Testament, I could take a verse that that gives me, if I wanted to, I could give myself permission to go out on a murderous killing spree, killing women and children because of one verse in the Old Testament. Does that mean that that's what God would promote? No, absolutely not. Um, but that's that's really what this group and many other groups do, uh, many cult groups do, is take a couple of verses out of context and build an entire theology around it.
0: Um, well, my, my, my heart is, is aching for these people because there's, there's hundreds of thousands and millions of people that are a part of this cult and I'm like, I'm, they say they believe in Jesus Christ and, and then I'm like, are all these people going to be condemned because... They're believing in this false
1: doctrine. That's a lot of people. Mhm. Yeah, it but, is, and it's really it, it's sad. You know, another thing that you might say. I, I was just looking it up, and, and I saw uh, a little bit more information about the guy that that founded this. Um, Ansan Hong is his name, or was his name. And you know, he actually made some some false predictions about the return of Christ. Um, and he pre- he predicted that Christ would return in nineteen sixty seven. And then when that didn't happen, he changed the date to 1988 and then obviously that didn't happen, and it was changed to 2012 and then obviously that didn't happen. Um, so here we are three incorrect prophecies about the the return of the Messiah. Um, you know if you want to look at what the scripture says about false prophets, if someone's prophecy doesn't come true, they're a false prophet and you should not follow them. you should steer clear of them and so um, that's that's something you could point out to them. Uh, you know, to ask him about the predictions of Christ's return that were wrong, you know, that that didn't actually happen. Um, And really, you know, kind of the biggest thing that's wrong is that they claim salvation in this guy's name and that baptism is required for salvation. And, um, you know, the, the scriptures teach us that salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone by faith in Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross. And so to add anything to that is to say that what Jesus did doesn't, doesn't work to, to save us. And so um, I, I'd really get back to the very basics of the gospel with this guy and just talk about what does that Bible actually say that a man must do to be saved? You know, well, my
0: biggest argument with him was, um, well, well, can God sin? No, of course not. God, God's good. And, in- and that would go against its very nature, so God can't stand, And Jesus was a sinless man. And was Jesus married? No. Did Jesus have kids? No. And the woman that is claiming to be the uh, mother of God, the Holy Spirit, she was founder of the church. And that right there is saying that the Holy Spirit was married to someone that's, that's not possible. Yeah. That right there is this thing. It's blasphemous. That it's a huge area just
1: really upset about it. yeah and you know I, I think really the biggest thing that you can do is really be praying for your for, for your friend and then as you have opportunity bring up those things about you know you're following somebody that that obviously has strayed in certain areas and point out those areas that they're that they're wrong about that and this goes for for many of the other groups that are out there that um, that claim to be the, the, the right way or the way, you know, the Jehovah's witnesses, for example. I mean, when you look at these groups, it's the biggest thing that we can do for those people that are stuck in those is to pray for them and then to really like examine the spots that, that, that are very clearly and easily proven wrong and start talking and just open that dialogue with them about it and really to share the true gospel and the biblical support for the true gospel with them. And that's where that's where i would start
0: okay well i hope some of them out there they'll so reach out and try and do some research that you know help
1: yeah absolutely and you know a great a great place to go that that you could probably get some more information about this group uh is gotquestions.org. org. if i don't know if you've visited that website ever before but dot org has a ton of resources and uh and they, they, they will have some stuff there for you about this group, the World Mission Society Church of God. But, but any, any of our listeners today, if you ever get approached by anybody, they tend to see to do it in, in popular places like malls, um, outdoor festivals and things. And they start asking you if you've heard the prophecies about Mother God, just know that that's a cult group and you don't want to talk to them um just just know that and, and unless you really want to sit down and, and share the true gospel with them but don't let them sway you by their, their their scripture distortions that they bring to you so um thank you for your call today Michael I appreciate it and uh, I'm going to hey, pray you with you Oh yeah I was going to say I want to pray with you real quick before we uh okay. before we go His, his name's Leon. So.
0: His name's
1: Leo Leonsa. So. Leon okay Let's pray, Lord. We just thank you um, for for Michael and for his heart, for his friend, Lord Leon, and just as he uh, is caught up in this group, we just pray for uh, discernment, Lord. We pray that you would speak into his life, that you would show him the places that these people have taken. Um, the, the truth and twisted it and moved it out of context, Lord. And I pray that you would help him to see that, help him to see the inconsistencies and help him just to know that salvation is in the name of Jesus. In no other name shall we be saved but under the name of Jesus. And so um, I I pray for Michael that you give him wisdom as he speaks and shares with his friend. I pray that you would um, just tell him, just give him the the insight into this group to be able to speak to to those inconsistencies that are there, Lord. And I also pray for Leon that he would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit and that as the true gospel is shared, that he would uh, just come to an understanding and grasp it and believe in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen, thank you.
1: All right, thank you for your call, Michael. Have a great day. All right. Well, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris hosting the program today. Uh, I'm the senior pastor at Calvary Chapel, Vail Valley, up in the Vail area in the mountains of Colorado. And if you have any questions about uh, the Bible today, you have questions about other cult groups, um, if you have. Uh, a prayer request would love to pray with you today you can call us at 303-690-3000 or you can text 720-336-0897 and i'd like to go to adam on line two today adam welcome to the program hello how are you doing
2: i am fantastic thank you great I have a question, mm-hmm. and first of all, I just want to throw out there, because I heard about uh, the guy that was in a cult. Um, my condolences for that person. That, that's actually kind of widespread right now, so I feel the guy's pain. But, um, so my question for you is, <clears throat> there is the Book of Enoch, there's also supposedly the Gospel of Thomas, and also supposedly the Lost Gospel of Mary Magdalene.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, my buddy, who actually went to uh, college for theology, actually learned a little bit about that stuff, and how the Bible, in a sense, actually a long time ago was a lot bigger, and that there actually was, when Constantine um, took the religion and then unified it with Rome to create an empire, uh, some stuff essentially got taken out, but these books are still out in circulation, floating around to a degree. So my question for you is, coming across the Gospel of Thomas and the Book of Enoch and just Let's just say those two. Should I actually take any of the things in them seriously? In, in general, like, the, the fact, it is a fact that books, certain books at least, were taken out of the Bible. What pertinence is that to me? Go inside. Go yeah. inside. Go inside.
1: So, so there's a couple things that are going on, um, you know. I, it, it sounds like your friend that went to school uh, and learned about this, he, he might have had an overview class, but he he probably didn't really dig into the actual depths of the, the, the debate that went on with regard to the what we call the canon of Scripture. Oh, and um, uh, um, uh, just uh, for the record, my friend is flat-out Christian. He doesn't—to
2: mm-hmm. be honest, after he told me that stuff, I never asked him his own beliefs on that. I suppose I mm-hmm. probably could have. Um I, he just said that, yeah, there were some books in the Bible, and some of them got taken out. Like the Book of Enoch talked about the actual giants, and so the Book of Enoch had to get taken out because then the pagans could boast and say, yeah, see, the gods that we worship were real, and it was a way of kind of keeping them down uh, to a degree. But anyways, of the, continue.
1: Yeah, so um, so so there was a council that was held. Um, that determined what we call the canon of Scripture, but it wasn't taking things out or adding things. It was determining which ones are actually true, valid portions of Scripture. And you know, most of those books that you mentioned um, were really almost never considered actual Scripture uh, by any of the early church. Uh, you, you have um, and now, the, 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 the Book of Enoch is a little bit of a separate issue, and we'll talk about that separately in just a second. But when you talk about the Gospel of Thomas, uh, the Gospel of, of Mary, these different books that were there, these were very easily proven to have been written around 200 AD um, and were added later. And it was actually because of that that most of uh, early Christianity completely discounted those books. They're actually what are called the Gnostic Gospels. Um, That's the name that's that's been given to them. And the reason for that is is that they were, they came out of this movement that even John the Apostle kind of was combating in some of his letters. Um, They came out of this movement that was based in Gnosticism. Now, do you know anything about Gnosticism? Have you heard about that before?
2: Gnosticism, Gnostics, no. I'm going to assume that just basically means lack of information.
1: Yeah, well, Gnostics, it, what it meant, essentially, it was a group that was around the same period that the church was forming. Um, and the Gnostics were a group that, that thought that in order to be saved or receive whatever you wanted to call it at that time, enlightenment or, or whatever, you had to, to achieve This kind of special knowledge—it was all about obtaining this special knowledge—and the the Gnostics, when Christianity really started taking root in the Greek, uh, in in the Asia Minor and the Greek islands, uh, the Gnostics kind of merged a little bit of their thought with Christian thought, and that's actually what many of the the letters in the New Testament are combating are these Gnostic doctrines that were getting introduced to the church uh, by the Gnostics, because the, the Gnostics liked the idea of Jesus, but they took many of the the elements out of it um, and ch- kind of merged it with their own thoughts. And so these Gospels, the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Mary, the, these different Gospels that are here, the Gospel of Philip, uh, they were merging, merging th- th- this Gnostic doctrine with Christianity. And, um, what they did is they just attached the names of famous Christians to their writings. And so they said, this was Thomas, or this was Mary, or this was Philip. Um, and really nobody that was in Orthodox Christianity from the early centuries on, uh, actually believed that these were true inspired gospels written by the person whose name was attached to them, um, until until later on, much later on, the 1800s, you know, uh, when people started really kind of looking into the source texts of some of the books. And so when you look at the the council that actually um, went through and, you know, worked on the, the what we call the canon of scripture, they weren't throwing things out of an existing Bible. They were essentially saying, we've got all these different letters, all these different gospels, we've got all these different things, what are the ones that are actually inspired and part of um, what what God actually was speaking to us? And so uh, it was it was meeting together and um, praying and discussing and debating through that. And you know, while that was sort of, you know, around the same time that Constantine was there and establishing the Roman uh, you know, kind of the Roman Church, it actually wasn't something that he presided over or really had any say in. Uh, he actually left that up to um, the, the bishops that were, you know, kind of in that that meeting that was there. And so um, it was something that took place over, really over the first couple hundred years of the church, as they took these books, the different books, that, you know, the, the Gospels, the letters of Paul, the letters of John, of Peter, Um, you know, the book of Jude, these different books and they were all circulating. And some of them were in different groupings together when they'd be sent around. Um, It was like, you know, we need to sit down and sort out and make a unified statement that some of these are not the word of God is really kind of what it came down to. And so the books that you see that were not there, it's not that they took the Bible and said, well, we need to get a unified Roman church together and we need to, um, you know, set this new vision to to work with the empire. And so we're going to cut these other books out. It was that they they already, for hundreds of years, had had at that point determined that those books were not biblical. They were not inspired by God. And so um, they made that statement, which essentially created what we call the canon of scripture, which is just the, the completeness of the scriptures that were there. Does that make sense? No, it does. Yeah. So, so you're talking
2: about the book of Enoch and how that's a separatist
1: thing. Yeah. So, so the book of Enoch was a book that existed before that. So the, the, the kind of the, uh, the Gospels, the Gnostic Gospels are a different issue. Those were written later. The book of Enoch was written before Christ. Uh, it's something that uh, th- there's actually some references loosely, not claiming uh, inspiration, but there's some references to the book of Enoch uh, in the Bible, Um, and so, but, but what that comes down to is whether the book of Enoch should be in the scriptures or not. Now, just because it's old doesn't mean that it's inspired, right? Um, it it has, it might have some great information in it, but that doesn't mean that it was necessarily the, that God wrote that through a person and it was, should be in the scriptures, you know, um, if you look in the Bible, one of the places that that the book of Enoch is quoted is in Jude in verses 14 and 15. It speaks, it it references the book of Enoch there. Um, But that doesn't necessarily mean that it should be something that's included with the Bible. Um, It's got some things in it that, that really kind of contradict the scripture. And, you know, Myself, I've actually never read the Book of Enoch personally. Um, I actually hey, would be uh,
2: just a, actually a uh, real quick question. All of a sudden, it, it just it just sort of sparked.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, if all the if all the other books, you know, the King James, you were you talking about the King King, uh, King James, right?
1: Uh, no, I was just talking about the, the the what what books are considered inspired in the Scripture. But all but right, well, go, okay, yeah,
2: go well, ahead. Okay. Well, um, regarding the the Bible as mm-hmm. we know it. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that you just said, Jude, uh, referenced the book of Enoch. Mm-hmm. So if all of these books inside of our Bible are the ones that were inspired by the Holy Spirit to be written, and if one of those stories references the book of Enoch, then what does that mean?
1: It just means that they are referencing Enoch. I mean, if you look at Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul quoted the the, the uh, Greek philosopher Epimenides in Titus uh that that doesn't mean that that Paul was saying that that Epimenides spoke for God and was inspired you know it's kind of like it's kind of like if i quoted something out of a famous movie or or a secular book to you uh that doesn't mean that that's god speaking that you know
2: it was probably just that you know just a reference
1: yeah it's a reference it was a it was a book that was around and it was a very you know ancient historical book but it it doesn't actually um it doesn't actually mean that it was an inspired book and you know one of the problems really the big problem with the book of Enoch is that uh, it's almost claimed to be written by Enoch and almost no one believes that it actually could have been written by Enoch Um, so it it really is something that um, is what's called a deuterocanonical book and so is there good information in there yes should we hold it on the same level as Scripture? No, and that would be the same with some of the what's what's in the the, the rest of the kind of the apocrypha um, that that you'd see in maybe a Catholic Bible. So you have like the the mm-hmm. books of Maccabees and some of those things. There's great information in those books, and there's some true and correct things in there, but there's also a lot that's false and historically inaccurate. And so, what we want to do when we look at those is measure them up to the inspired word of God and see where it, you know, what the, the differences are. And so is it, would it be wrong for you to go and read the book of Enoch? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be. And in fact, it's something that I at one point would enjoy reading myself. I haven't read it myself, but uh, there's, you know, there'd be great information, even some historical information in there. But the problem with that is just really like you would read anything else. Okay. I, th-
2: I think I got you. You're saying the Bible is the Bible. Now, the Book of Enoch, the Book of Mary Magdalene, Book of Thomas, since we're not even sure who really wrote those, if I were to come across those and read those, I should just treat them as ear candy. I should treat them like like the works of Plato or Aristotle or Confucius or Mm -hmm. just sort of – it's just a book. But don't attach any actual divinity to it.
1: Right. That, that's exactly what I would say. And, you know, uh, especially with the, the apocryphal books, those are the ones that you'll find in, in the Catholic Bible. Um, but when it comes to the, the gospel, the, the false gospels, the gospel of Thomas and, you know, Mary and Philip and those things, those ones I, I would approach even with more caution because those were books that were written to undermine Christian teaching. Um,
2: hey, yeah, I, I was honestly thinking, because um, I think there was actually a part... In the Bible, where John actually says that uh, the Bible and all the words in it are good, and if your eyes come across any additions, let them actually be a curse to you. Which yeah. actually makes sense, because if, if if you dabble, I guess, so to speak, like, if you if you read the Bible, but if you read any other literature and try and apply it to the Bible, it's going to cause dissonance, and it's going to cause a lot of mixed feelings that you're probably not going to like.
1: Yeah, and, and it's probably I've,
2: just going to dirty your brain.
1: Yeah, I think I think that it's it's good for us to read and to, to to look at things that are out there, but really to we we take the Bible as our lens through which we look at the world. Oh, you Rather, use it the codex. Yep, and just so you know, we're coming up on the end of the, the 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 half here. So if you hear the music playing, then we'll have to cut it off. But the
2: uh, oh no, you you actually did you actually did twenty
1: perfect I, you yeah you talked the whole time and i just listened and gave me everything i needed but awesome well thank you so much for your call and uh, you have a great day all right you're listening to calvary live stick around we'll be right back after the break
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome back from the break. This is Calvary Live, the call-in radio show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, your questions about God, your questions about cults. Uh, Or if you have any prayer requests, we would love, love, love to pray for you. Uh, You can call us today at 303-690-3000, or you can text 720-336-0897. Once again, you can call 303-690-3000, or you can text 720-336-0897. This is Pastor Nate Morris hosting the program today. I'm the senior pastor at Calvary Chapel Vale Valley, uh, up in the beautiful mountains of Colorado, and I want to tell you about a couple of cool things that we have coming up here the rest of the summer. Uh, on August twenty-third, I believe that it is, uh, we will be having we're having a baptism for our church that evening, but we're also going to be uh, having a, a fun concert here in. Uh, Edwards at the Riverwalk here in Edwards, Colorado, and we'll be having our friends from Felling Giants, the band Felling Giants, come up and play a concert for us. Uh, so if you're up in the mountains that weekend, would love to have you join us for that. Also, on September 3rd, that is Labor Day weekend, Sunday night on Labor Day weekend, we are uh, partnering with uh, other local organizations to put on what we call Uplift, and it's going to be a concert uh, at the Ford Amphitheater in Vale. And it's going to feature Phil Wickham, which is going to be so much fun. Super excited to have him come up here. And also a uh, newer artist, Bon Ray uh, group that, that's going to be great. It's going to be a ton of fun. And so if you'd like to join us for that, you can get more information at UpliftVale.com. UpliftVale.com. You can purchase tickets there. Uh, or if you'd like to bring your youth group or uh, a small group with you, we'd love to have you join us. Come up for Labor Day weekend here in the Vale area. Maybe spend the night or go camping. and join for the concert. It's going to be a ton of fun. Once again, you can call us with your questions today at 303-690-3000, or you can text 720-336-0897. And uh, I want to answer just one or two quick text questions before we get to the phones. Uh, Someone has texted in, what does the word Selah mean? It's found in the Psalms and Hebrews. And, you know, that's a great question. Uh, You see this in the Psalms uh, many times. And what most scholars believe that the word Selah means is kind of a a pause, or maybe it's a musical instruction. And the thing is, we really don't know what it means. Uh, There's kind of a debate as to what the original meaning is. But you usually see it in the context of a poetic writing or something that's meant to be played along with by instruments. And so uh, the thought is that maybe it means pause. Maybe it means like a musical interlude. No one really knows exactly what it means. That's going to be one of those things where when we see the Lord face to face, I think we'll know uh, fully as we're fully known. But uh, I look forward to finding that out. But for now, we really, all that we know is it's interjected in the midst of a a song or a psalm. Um, And, you know, I have a friend that actually named their daughter Selah, which is a beautiful name. All right. And then I'm going to take one more quick text question here. Let's see. Um... Let's see. Someone texted in a question about baptism. I was baptized last year, but was struggling with drug addiction. Now that I'm sober, should I get baptized again? Thank you. So uh, this was from Julie and Julie, thank you for your question. That's a, that's a great question. You know, um, in the scriptures, it really it commands us as we believe in the name of Jesus Christ to be baptized. It's something that God has asked us to do. You don't have to be baptized to be saved. The requirement for salvation is believing in the name of Jesus Christ. But it is something that he commands us to do, just as is communion. Communion is also something that he has commanded us to do. These are what we call the sacraments, baptism and communion. Are the sacraments that every believer is supposed to partake in now baptism is something you know uh, i myself actually have been baptized twice uh, and it was a personal decision i was baptized when i was nine years old as a as a child Um, and I believed in Jesus, I was saved, and I made a choice to get baptized because of that. But then later in life, I was actually a leader for a youth group. I I was in college, I was leading this youth group, uh, and the youth pastor, we took the the youth down on this rafting trip, and the youth pastor had a baptism in the river, and I was leading worship uh, for this group as, as we're sitting there, and he's baptizing kids, and I felt the Holy Spirit just tell me Hey, I want you to do this again. I know you did it before, and I know that you believe and you're saved, but I want you to do this because I I, I have done a new work in your heart and a new work in your life, and this is very representative of that. And so I, I walked out, and I was baptized again. Um, now, do we need to get baptized again, as to your question? Uh, no, you don't need to get baptized again. You know, if you believe in the name of Jesus Christ, and you you made that profession of faith, you know, Just because you are struggling doesn't mean you need to be baptized again. Is it okay for you to get baptized again? Absolutely. There's no limitation placed on baptism in Scripture. It's not that you can do it one time and that's it. In fact, I know many people, uh, when they go to Israel, they like to be baptized in the Jordan River, even if they've been baptized again, just because of the, the of the, the, the significance of that place. Um, and so uh, you can feel free to do that, but you don't have to by any means. It's just if, if that's something that the Lord puts on your heart, feel free to, to do that and get baptized again. All right, you are listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris, and uh, if you'd like to call in with a question or a prayer request, you can call us at 303-690-3000, or you can text 720-336-0897. I'd like to go to Jay on line one. Jay, welcome to the program.
3: Hey, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well. How are you doing?
3: Oh, by the grace of God, I'm getting through the day. I, I've had to move my van again. I'm trying to figure out where I can you know, permanently park my van and get things rolling on it, my RV. Okay. And, and uh, hopefully, I know it's just a little prayer, but uh, somehow get my laundry done because I need to get some laundry done. But, you know, by the grace of God, he's getting me through each and every day, and I really appreciate him being in my life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Jay, let me ask you this. Are, are you, you're, you're living in your RV then?
3: I am, yes.
1: Okay. Yeah, so you you need a place that you can park it long term and uh, and also hoping to get some laundry done then, it sounds like.
3: Yeah, that, that's right. Yep
1: okay yeah well you know let's definitely let's let's seek the lord together for that let Let me ask you this jerry are you are you working these days or are you retired or just traveling
3: well that's one of my prayers too that i need to find a part-time job somewhere
1: okay yeah so. a- absolutely well let's let's definitely lift that up to the lord and uh you know he is jehovah jireh he's our provider and so um i believe that that that's something that he would provide for you as a job you know whatever that may look like and um and hopefully a place to to keep your RV parked, too. Um, I know it, I know it's expensive to park your RV in campgrounds these days. Something I looked oh. at. It's just not cheap. <laughs> oh,
3: so. uh, that's true, yeah. So that's probably why I need to find a part-time job.
1: Yeah, okay.
3: Get some income coming in, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's lift that up to the Lord. Let's do that right now.
3: Well, thank you, sir.
1: Mm-hmm. Lord, I pray for my brother Jay and just as he is, uh, thank you that he's got a roof over his head, thank you that he's got a place to sleep, Lord, but uh, he also needs a place to park it and he needs um, some income to be able to pay for that and some income to be able to pay for him to be able to get his laundry done and some of those other things, Lord. And so I pray right now that you would just show yourself his provider, Lord, Jehovah Jireh, his provider. And so uh, would you just give him opportunity for, for, for work part-time or otherwise lord and would you just lead him in the in the direction that you that you would have him go for that lord would you just open doors and um, just, just show yourself strong in his behalf, Lord. Uh, just as we see in, in Matthew, Lord, where you say, look at the lilies of the field, they neither toil nor spin, and yet you clothe them, Lord, how much more will you clothe us? And so uh, I, just, I know that you're going to provide for my brother, Lord, and I pray that you would do that and you would just reveal that to him, the, the way that you'd have him go, where you'd have him get plugged in for work, and what all that looks like, Lord. And so we just pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: Hey, I appreciate you, Pastor Nate. You have a blessed
1: day. Yeah, you too, Jay. Thank you. Thanks for calling. You bet. All right. All right, you're listening to Calvary Live. If you'd like to call us with a prayer request like Jay just did, or if you'd like to call with a question about the Bible or a question about God, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can call us at 303-690-3000, or you can text 720-336-0897. I'd like to go to Donna on line two. Donna, welcome to the program. Donna, are you with us? I think we might have lost Donna. Donna, if you got cut off, feel free to call us back again. I would love to hear from you today. Once again, if you'd like to call us today, you can call 303-690-3000, or you can text seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven I'm going to take a quick look at the text line right here and see uh, what we what we have here on the line So someone texted in did Adam and Eve go to heaven did Adam and Eve go to heaven that's a great question you know um, it doesn't say specifically that Adam and Eve went to heaven but we know that Adam and Eve knew God. Uh, before the fall. We also know that those who were saved before Jesus were saved the same way that we are saved after Jesus and that was by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so would Adam and Eve have gone to heaven based on their own merit? No, of course not. They were sinners just like you and I. They needed a sacrifice. They needed to be made perfect uh, in the eyes of God and that was done by Jesus Christ on the cross. And so I believe that they had their faith placed in the work of the coming Messiah and ultimately uh, were saved by what Jesus did on the cross. And so I believe, yes, we will see them there in heaven when uh, when we all pass to the, to the next life. And so um, that hopefully answers your question on that. Once again, you can call us today at 303- Six nine zero three thousand, 690 3000 or you can text 720-336-0897. Got a couple more text questions here, but if you'd like to call in, we've got open lines, three open lines that rarely happens. And so if you got one of those questions sitting on your mind and you're like, man, I, I, every time I call in, I get blocked. Now's the time to call 303-690-3000. Once again, 303 690 3000. All right. So somebody has texted in Did Christ's work on the cross completely restore us from the curse of sin that Adam started? Did Christ's work on the cross completely restore us from the curse of sin that Adam started? And so uh, this is a great question. So Christ's work on the cross is the counteraction to the work that Adam did in bringing sin into this world, and and actually Jesus has been called the the second Adam, the second man. The first Adam brought sin, the second Adam, the second man brought life, so Christ is the counteraction for that, and so in in one sense, yes, absolutely, Christ's work on the cross completely restored us, Um, and yet we're not completely restored yet. Uh, positionally, we are perfect before the Lord. Uh, we are saved. Uh, we have received salvation by the work of Jesus on the cross, but there's still work to be done in our lives as we're here on this earth. And so uh, until either Christ comes back and we're raptured and we're you know, before him in um, perfection and receive our glorified bodies, uh, you and I, as we're here on the earth right now, we've been restored and we've been positionally placed right with God, but but God still has some work to do on us. In fact, this is kind of what we talked about this past week at Calvary Chapel, Vale Valley, was the fact that God is not finished with us yet, but he won't leave us unfinished. He will finish the work that he started. We looked at Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, where it says, He who has started a good work in you is faithful and he will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so um, God will complete the work that he started. He will completely restore us from what Adam did. Um, But as believers, we're we're not literally there yet. Positionally, we're there. And if you were to die as a believer in Jesus Christ today, you would be with God in heaven. And yes, you would be perfect. But here on this earth, literally, we still bear the curse of sin with us. We still bear the, the, the curse with us in our bodies. And so uh, we're not there yet. And so j- j- kind of long answer to your short question. Uh, yes, it did restore us, but it's still in the process of recreating or sanctifying us um, currently. And so uh, that's a great question, though. All right, you are listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris taking your calls and your questions today. You can call us at 303-690-3000, or you can text 720-336-0897. Once again, you can call 303-690-3000, or text 720-336-0897. And we actually still have three open lines, which is pretty rare. So once again, if you've got a question that's been burning in your mind and you have, haven't thought to call in, uh, now's a great time to do that. Or if you've got a prayer request, we'd love to pray with you. Um, that Now's a great time to call in and uh, we'd love to pray with you today. I'm gonna to take another look at our text line here. We've got a couple more. This is great. I almost never get to get through our text questions. Let's see here. Um, if Jesus died for our sins, why do we still stand before god for judgment what is god going to judge us for as believers after we die jacob from fort collins has asked that question that is a great question jacob that's a really really good question i'm glad that you asked that question actually and so there's two different judgments that we see in the end times there's what's called the great white throne judgment and there's what's called the Bema seat judgment and so the great white throne judgment is the judgment where God judges the unrighteous for their sin. Those who have not believed in the finished work of Jesus Christ are judged for their sin and ultimately shown that they deserve judgment. Um, and so that's, that's the judgment for unbelievers, the great white throne judgment. But then there's the second judgment that we see in scripture that's called the, the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema seat of Christ, B-E-M-A. And so uh, we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, that it says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And so when you look at this, the context tells us that this is very clearly Christians, not unbelievers coming before Jesus, and we're being judged for the things that we've done. This does not involve hell. This does not involve um, whether you're going to get into heaven or not. This is judging our works. And so we see this kind of over and over again throughout the New Testament that what we do with the resources that God has given us will be judged. We will stand before Christ and have to give account of what we've done with the gifts that he's given us, the talents that he's given us, the gospel that he's given us. Um, As Christians, we are saved, we are redeemed, we are restored. There's no fear of of hell when it comes to facing the Bema Seat of Christ. In fact, most of it is going to be reward for faithfulness to Jesus Christ. But those things that that we've done in the body that were not good, that were bad, as it says in Second Corinthians five ten, those are going to be burned as if by fire. It says, and so the Bema seed of Christ, the judgment seed of Christ, we receive rewards from Jesus based off on our faithful service, and the, the the negative bad things that we've done here on the earth will be judged, um, and you know be removed from us in a sense. And so uh, what we'll receive as those rewards, we don't know exactly, but we, we see in the scripture that we'll be receiving crowns for different things based on how we served. Um, and honestly, we, we see later that we throw those crowns before the Lord, um, which is going to be awesome. And so um, that's the two different judgments there. And so that was a great question. You know, uh, why do we stand before um, God for judgment if we're already saved? And so I hope that helps you out, and thank you for your your text. All right, once again, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris taking your calls and your questions. You can call us at 303-690-3000 or text 720-336-0897. And I'd like to go to Renee on line one. Renee, welcome to the program.
4: Thank you, Pastor Nate. I understand you're from Vail Valley, and... Um, a shout out to the Bell Valley rescue team for saving, um, those two young boys back in November. Yeah. That was a miracle. A Thanksgiving I, miracle.
1: Yeah. I know the, uh, the, the helicopter pilot who, who spotted them actually, and, and did that rescue. Uh, he told Woo-hoo. me the story about it just last week. It sounds like it was amazing. So
4: <laughs> yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, I do have two questions. um, One is your number one recommended resource for how I can engage in conversation with my daughter. She thinks she might be gay. Okay. And then the second question was, um, again, a, um, a teenager who, he's graduated from high school now, but he's into the sun, moon, and stars, and, you know, worshiping creation. And um, he's even said that he is God. Okay. And, you know, I just want to stay in relationship. Obviously, I love my daughter, and want to stay in relationship with both people and, yet, being an engaged conversationalist.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Not and so the, 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 the second question, the teenager, I, I want to get to your daughter second um, so that we can okay. pray for her. And we'll, so we'll start with the, the, uh, the kind of the creation worship. Um, the, so that second question, is that your son or is that just a teenager that you know?
4: That's a, a friend. My son loves Jesus and it's his friend. Okay. And so we're both always wondering how us to continue to, you know, have conversation with him.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and so your
4: your uh your person that took my call, he recommended Ken Ham, but said you might have other resources.
1: So his kind of thing, it sounds like he specifically is is worshiping creation. So he's 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 kind of into um, naturalism, worshiping creation, and and. Maybe some Eastern mysticism is that is that kind yeah. of what you gather? Yeah,
4: sounds like a mix. Okay. For me, it always so, sounds like a mix of whatever catches his itching ears.
1: Yeah, so so the Ken Ham would be more along the lines of if if you're having a a, a discussion regarding creation versus uh, evolution and the biblical support for what that looks like and the scientific support for that. I don't know if that really applies for this situation. Um, What I would say is, you know, the idea, it sounds to me like he's wrapped up in some Eastern mysticism, maybe some Hindu uh, maybe just a compilation of things that he likes. Uh, and, And of course people like the idea, that we can claim that we are God, right? I mean, who doesn't like that idea? And then you you kind of go from there into, I can create my own reality and the things that I think are the things that happen. And it just, you get way off on that because it sounds good and it sounds nice. Um, But it's it's, it's pretty basic and simple that, you know, we're not God. Um, God
4: God is God and I am not.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And, And I mean, even if you don't, even if you don't believe in the God of the Bible, for a person to claim that they are God, it's pretty easy to refute that. I mean, because you can ask questions like, well, if you're God, then how, how did you create all of this? And how did you, if you're God, can you do this? Can you, I mean, it's pretty easy to prove to a person that they're not God. So, I mean, you could have those discussions, but really what it sounds like he needs is just to be introduced to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and, Um, to understand that he is, he's not God, that he actually is a sinner who needs a savior uh, and that that savior is Jesus. And so really I I would start at the most basic level and just work from the gospel, work from the gospel and out from there, um, and just have those conversations. So what do you think about God? Um, you say that you are God. What does that mean to you that you're God? Um, wouldn't God have been the one to create everything that is? Um, And so if if that's you, how did you do that? And of course, he's not going to have an answer for that because he wasn't there at creation. But then you can kind of go into, you know, um, so if you're really not God, or at least you weren't present at creation as God, then who did create all this stuff? And what does this look like? And really just open the door for the gospel at that That would be the place that I would start. I mean, you can also get into some studies of Eastern mysticism in contrast with Christianity. But it sounds like coming from that teenage perspective, it sounds like he really is just kind of grasping for things that he likes that kind of affirm the decisions that he wants to make in life. And it's pretty easy when you sit down and just have a logical, reasonable discussion with somebody in that mind frame to to show them Okay, I understand that you like that concept, but it doesn't actually align with reality. Do you know what I mean?
4: I, yes, it sounds like it would um, keep him engaged with us in conversation.
1: Yeah, I would just, I would just um, view it as a and conversation. It would
4: take him, start with the cross. <laughs> that's yeah. For a bad place to start, that's yeah. always a good place to start.
1: Absolutely. And you know, maybe just even challenge him to read the Bible. Say, Hey have you ever, you know, have you ever thought about reading the Bible? Read the Gospel of John. That's a great place to start. Um because it it, it one, it outlines the gospel in the first three chapters, but then two, it really is very down to earth and speaks about Jesus in a in a very real manner. Um that that's a great, you know, resource for him to read, just, just to start with reading that.
4: Good. The Book of
1: John. Good. Yeah. Good. yeah. Okay. Okay, and we're coming up on the end of the program here in a minute, but I want to make sure to talk with you about your daughter. Um, and so, so your daughter, um, she is dealing with with same sex attraction. It sounds like. Yeah. She
4: um, she just turned sixteen. Okay. Um, and um, she. And and I have met with, I, I attend Rocky Mountain Calvary here in town. Okay, yeah. And I have gone and talked with um, Pastor Man. Okay. he's would like to stay, you know, it's all of, the, she's drawn lines and, and, you know, stay in relationship with her. hmm But, of course, now that she's getting close to driving, you know, my concerns have ramped up a little bit. And, and yeah. I want to be salt and light, and I want to pray, and. But yeah. beyond that I just get you know, I I I tell her I love you unconditionally. There's nothing you can do to cause me to love you more, there's nothing you can do to cause me to love you less.
1: Yeah. Um,
4: but I cannot condone this. You know I can't because right. you know, I'm a Bible believing Christian. Yeah. Well
1: so, And does she does she believe in Jesus?
4: See and that's I think why my heart is so um, pulled. Um, I was present for my son's uh, birth, born-again birth experience, Mm -hmm. and then um, he went straight to her, wanting her to come, you know, meet Jesus and go to heaven. But she was four at the time, so I've always gone, you know, was she accountable at that age, God? I don't know. There's, I see... You know, I, As I look back on her life, I think there's fruits. but mm-hmm. as, I, you know, as I now see her life, I'm like, I, I don't know, God, I'm so, I'm confused, and God is not the author of confusion, so I don't
1: know. Yeah. Let me tell you this. There, there's a couple things. We're going to have to go here pretty quick because the show is going to be I over, know. but but first and foremost, the biggest, and I know it's not going to feel like it, but the biggest thing you can do is pray for your daughter. I cannot tell you how effective the faithful, repeated prayers of a mother are. Um, I know that from my own life. I was a mess in high school. I was doing drugs and partying. I had believed in Jesus when I was seven years old, but I completely walked away in high school. All kinds of trouble. Walked away from God. All that stuff. My mom was faithful to pray, 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 pray for me. And God answered those prayers. And so just whatever you do, don't stop praying for your daughter. Two, keep loving her well. Just love her well. And you know, I have several friends that are believers that have this same struggle. They're same sex attracted. They would not call themselves gay because they don't practice the lifestyle. Some of them have been in it and some of them haven't, but they, all of them, they love Jesus and they recognize that their attractions don't define them Jesus Christ defines them mm-hmm. so just because she feels that way this is not like a lost hopeless thing that you have to worry about J- just understand that God loves her um, and that he can work powerfully in her life and make sure that you continue to love her through this um, I want to go ahead and pray for her real quick because we're going to get cut off here in just a second but thank you for yeah. your call thank you, All right. thank you. Mm-hmm. Lord we just pray for her daughter right now pray that she would sense your love your grace your power over her help her to know that life is bigger than your attractions, that she's defined by you and not those things. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.